Good morning, Crowd family. Happy, happy Sunday. And also, happy Mother's Day. I'm so glad you can all join us today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. That's Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. That's Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. We're going to take a break from 1 Corinthians as we celebrate Mother's Day today. Now, before I dive into the text, I want to thank God. Take the time to thank God for and acknowledge the two most important women in my life. My wife, Lucinda, you are an amazing, godly mother. Julian, Sophia, and Jude are so blessed to have a mother like you. And I want to thank you, babe, from the bottom of my heart for your godly example, for your unwavering love for God and your unwavering love for our kids. I love you, babe. You're amazing. Uh, happy Mother's Day and God bless. My mom, mom, I thank God every single day for you. I thank God for blessing me with such an amazing, godly mother. Albert, Rebecca, and I are so blessed to have you and to call you mom. You're my hero. God bless and happy Mother's Day. I love you, mom. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms. And by the way, a motherhood encompasses biological mothers, uh, stepmothers, single mothers, foster mothers, adoption mothers, godmothers, and spiritual mothers. So to all you moms, happy Mother's Day. The title of my message today is A Life Well Spent. Everyone say that, A Life Well Spent. Now friends, in celebration of Mother's Day, I want to look at the story of Anna. And her story is contained in just three small verses. Now, it has been said that life is like a coin. You are free to spend it in any way you wish, any way you wish, but you can only spend it once. In Haggai chapter 1, write that down, Haggai chapter 1, verse 7, Haggai 1, verse 7, God gave a challenge to the prophet Haggai, listen now, to consider your ways. Say that, to consider your ways. And it was a challenge not, not to live unexamined lives. So it's important that we examine our lives. It's important that we do a self-evaluation of our lives. But let's be honest, friends, it doesn't come easily. And you see, the hectic pace of our lives makes it difficult to examine our lives. And, and let's be honest, some of us are just too busy to examine our lives. Others are just too comfortable the way things are in their lives to examine their lives. Others shy away from examining their lives because they know if they do, it will be painful. Let me give you five good questions, five good questions that can help us examine our lives and see what changes are needed. And the first question is this, is our, is our life, is our life consistent with our beliefs? Is our life consistent with our beliefs? In other words, friends, does our lifestyle match our theology? Does our lifestyle match our theology? Does our behavior match what you and I believe? The second question is this, what do we find most enjoyable in life? Think about that. What do we find most enjoyable in life? And the third question is, do we offer God our best? Do we offer God our best or just the leftovers? The fourth question is this. What do we want people to remember us for? What do we want people to remember us for? And the fifth question is this. If we knew we had only one year left to live, get this now, one year left to live, 
how would our life be different? Now, these are good questions to think about, great questions to think about, because the things that hold our passion will be the things that we make our priorities. And the things that we make our priorities, get this now, the things that we make our priorities will determine how we will spend our lives. Here in the text, we see a devoted, godly woman who had her priorities right, who lived a life that was well spent. Three points, I want to give you three points from today's text, and and my message is short and to the point, And, and three things we see in Anna's life. If you're ready, say yes. Point number one is this, she persevered, she persevered patiently. Write that down. She persevered patiently. Look at verses 36 through 37a. Just the first part of verse 37. 36 all the way to the first part of verse 37. And it says this, There was also a prophetess, Anna. Now I want to stop there because as a prophetess, Anna had a special gift of declaring and interpreting God's message. And here it was the way that she brought forth this special word about Jesus, the Messiah. Now, friends, there are other prophets in the, me, prophetess in the Bible. There's Miriam, and, and that's in Exodus 15, verse 20. Miriam, Exodus 15, verse 20. There's also Deborah. Deborah, that's found in excuse me, Judges, Judges chapter 4, verse 4, Judges 4, verse 4. And there's also Huldah, Huldah, and that's found in 2 Kings 22, 2 Kings 22, 14. And there's also Noadiah, Noadiah, and that's in Jeremiah, or Noadiah, yeah, Noadiah, Jeremiah 6, 14, uh, Nehemiah 6, 14. And there's also Isaiah's wife, Isaiah's wife, well, that was actually Noadia, not Noadia, Noadia. And there's also Isaiah's wife, and that's found in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 3, chapter 8, verse 3. And then there's Philip, the evangelist's four daughters. Remember that in the book of Acts? Four daughters, and that's in Acts 21, Acts chapter 21, verses 8 through 9. Now, now Anna's name is mentioned nowhere else in the Bible, and it's the same as Hannah. Hannah, uh, the mother of Samuel in the Old Testament. And the name means grace or gracious. Write that down, grace or gracious. And Anna was the kind of woman her name signifies. She was, listen now, she was a gracious woman. She had experienced the grace of God. So let's read on. The daughter of Phanuel. Phanuel. Phanuel means the face of God the face of God, and, and how appropriate, because Anna, Phanuel's daughter, saw, get this now, saw the face of God in Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? Let's read on, of the tribe of Asher, the tribe of Asher. Asher was a second son of Leah's handmaid, Zilpah, and he was uh, named Asher, which means happy, because his birth name, or sorry, because his birth made Leah happy. And he was Jacob's eighth son. So I want to point out the present connection of these two facts. And and the first fact is that the very presence of a member of the tribe of Asher, a member who is living in Jerusalem, shows that the so-called lost tribes were not lost after all. 
There are no lost tribes, friends. God knows. God knows exactly who is who and where they are. In fact, friends, at the end of times, the end of time, uh, he, God, lists the tribes in relation to the 144,000 uh, Jewish evangelists who would be active during the Great Tribulation, and that's found in Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter, excuse me, chapter 14, Revelation chapter 14. Let's read on. Let's read on. If you're still with me, say amen. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, verse 37a, the first part of verse 37, and then was a widow until she was 84. Now, some translations say she was a widow for 84 years after seven years of marriage. So, so I want you to follow me here, follow me here. Uh, back in that day, girls would get married at the age of, of 12 or, or 14. Most likely it was 14. So if she was 14 when she got married, at seven years of being married and 84 years as a widow, then she would have been 105 years old. Whatever the case, whatever the case, she was old. Now, as a widow, as a widow, Anna most likely battled, most likely battled poverty, loneliness, perhaps even at times depression. And remember, she had been a she had been widowed. At a very young age, and in fact, there's no there's no mention, no mention whatsoever of her having children. So, so she, Anna, could have easily, easily grown bitter toward God, and she could have complained of her loneliness, and and not to mention that widows in that culture didn't have much opportunity to get an education and learn a business or trade to provide for themselves. In fact, they were often the target of dishonest businessmen. Businessmen took advantage of widows. So no doubt Anna had experienced a difficult life and, and she could have easily become bitter, but instead, and I love this, but instead of becoming bitter, she became better and blessed. She became better and blessed. And rather than becoming old and, and fatigued and frustrated, she kept about her a vitality and a spirituality about her. You see, what Anna did was she persevered patiently because she never lost hope. Listen now, she never lost hope in the God of Israel who loved her. In fact, friends, God declares that he has a special concern for orphans and widows. Psalm, write it down, Psalm 68, chapter 68. Psalm 68, verse 5, verse 5 says this, A father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in his holy dwelling. Now remember, the first deacons of the church were chosen to address needs related to widows. That's in Acts chapter 6. Now, friends, I got to tell you what I love. What I love about Anna is that she, she took refuge. She took refuge under God's protective care. And, and I, what I also love about her is the fact that her trials drove her to a deeper devotion to God. Not away from God, not away from Him, but closer to Him. She didn't give into the temptation to get caught up in self-pity. She didn't feel sorry for herself, friends, okay? Nor did she result in turning to worldliness. You see, Anna makes her greatest contribution at her weakest condition. 
She provides, listen now, a powerful example to never, never give up. She persevered patiently. She persevered patiently by doing what she could, where she was with what she had. So here's a lesson. We always have a lesson, right? Here's a lesson. Are you ready? Here it is. No excuses. Write that down. No excuses. Listen, friends. Too many believers make excuses, complain, or get discouraged about what they don't have or what they can't do. And here, here in the text, you have Anna, old in age, and, you know, granted, there were maybe some things that she couldn't do because of her age, but, but did what she could where she was with what she had. Now, if you're saved, say amen. Can't hear you. If you're saved, say amen. Listen, Anna's story, what it does, friends, it challenges all of us to stop making excuses that limit our effectiveness and start making a difference with the opportunities and resources that we do have. Listen, like Anna, we should persevere patiently by doing what we can where we are with what we have. So question, are you doing what you can, what you can, where you are with what you have? Are you, or are you making excuses? or complaining, huh? or, or walled up in discouragement. You see, what we learn, I love this, from Anna's life is not to let age nor other barrier prevent us from making a significant contribution to the kingdom of God. Friends, she gave herself. She gave herself wholeheartedly to God. She sought Him. She served Him. She hung out. I love this. She hung out at the temple, which brings us right into point number two, is she participated faithfully. She participated faithfully. She persevered patiently. Number two, she participated faithfully. Look at verse 37, be the last part of verse 37. She never left the temple. Man, that's awesome. But worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. So let's break this down. She never left the temple. Luke writes, she never left the temple. Well, most likely, friends, Anna didn't live in the temple. But Luke means that she was there all the time. She was most likely in the court of the women because that was the only area of friends in the temple the women, that, that the women could gather. So every time, what I believe Luke is saying, every time there was an activity at the temple, Anna was there. Let's read on. Well, let's go ahead. Let's, let's look at the other part of the verse. But worshipped night and day. But worshipped night and day. The word there, worshipped, could also be translated served. She worshipped slash served in the temple night and day. Listen, friends, she was a participator, not a spectator. Got it? She was a participator, not a spectator. Now notice that Anna's worship, uh, that Anna's service in the temple took the form, first of all, of fasting. Write that down, fasting. 
Fasting means going without food. We know this, right? Going without food for some period of time, and it's usually joined with prayer. The word fast or fasting appears at least 60 times, 60, 60, 60 times in the Bible. There, there are at least 15 specific instances where named individuals fasted in the Bible. Now, for the Jews, the most common fast lasted from sunrise to sunset, although longer fasts are mentioned in the Bible. Friends, fasting was done, listen now, in times of personal or national distress or, or as preparation for specific, excuse me, special times, preparation for special times of seeking God. Now, now, while there are no commands, and there are no commands in the New Testament for us to fast, there are examples of fasting. So Anna's worship, her service in the temple, also took form, or took the form of prayers. Look at the text, and praying. Notice that the fasting came before prayer. Why? Because Anna's fasting was preparing her for prayer. Preparing her for prayer. You see, fasting is always a matter of preparing oneself to come and listen to God. And what it does, friends, what it does is it enables us to lay other things aside in order to concentrate, concentrate fully on God. Fasting, listen now, purposely sets aside time for God and prepares us to concentrate on Him with our spirit. That being said, question, how often does God get your full attention? Huh? Think about it. How often does God get your full attention? How often does God have your undivided attention? Huh? If you're safe, say amen. Come on, if you're safe, say amen. Listen, when, when, when you and I choose to fast, knowing what our objective is, what we're saying, friends, listen now, what we're saying is what's more important than my necessary food is my relationship with God. I, I want to hear Him. I want to know Him. I want to know what He's saying to me. Because listen now, fasting is God's chosen means of focus. He wants us to dwell in His presence and His will and purpose for our lives. And Anna, Anna understood that. This godly woman understood that. And so for 84 years, day and night, she made fasting and prayer her business. And God, listen now, God rewarded her for it. Listen, the, the biographical account of Anna in the text reveals that she was a prayer warrior who prayed, listen now, night in day. Listen, when God chose, and gotta get this, when God chose a handful of believers who testified at his son's birth, God chose someone who prayed. Who prayed. And through prayer, Anna gained an insight that many failed to grasp. 
And perhaps, I don't know, but perhaps Anna, perhaps she, she was familiar with the prophecy in Jeremiah 33.3, Jeremiah 33.3, who declared for God, call upon me and I will show great and mighty things that you do not know. Anna saw mighty things. I love this, of God that others missed. You see, she worshiped, she worshiped, excuse me, she worshiped and served in the temple by fasting and by praying. Two lessons here, two lessons. The first one is this, be a participator, not a spectator. Write that down, be a participator, not a spectator. Listen, if you're not serving here at Cry Out, you need to start serving. You need to find a place to serve, friends. See, as, as we plan very soon to have in-person church services, listen, you need to get ready to serve. You need to come back and be ready and excited to serve again. And if you're not serving, find a place to serve. Get involved. I can't do this alone. Our staff can't do this alone. We need everyone to buy into this to be a part of this, of God's ministry, and serve and participate in the things of God's kingdom. Be a contributor, not a consumer. I want to take this time to thank the, those who are serving in our food pantry ministry. Every Friday morning and every Friday evening, I want to thank the, the men and women who are serving. It's, it's not easy work. It's, it's very very difficult, very tough. It's a tough job to do, man. There's a lot of labor involved in it. And I just want to thank the men and women who are serving there every Friday, who are giving up of their time to serve the Lord, listen, to touch the heart of our community. That's what the church is all about. It's about reaching out and touching our community. Be a participator, not a, a spectator. The, the second lesson is this, fast and pray. Fast and pray. And I, know, I understand, I get it. Some believers are especially gifted for the ministry of fasting and prayer. And they devote large blocks of time to it. And part of the, that, that time, what it does, it involves interceding for others. But part of it is also devoted to praise, to praise and thanksgiving to God. And you see, the main thing, the main thing in fasting and prayer is to seek God and to commune with God. That being said, we need, we need to start, see, we need to set aside, excuse me, we need to set aside time to seek God as Anna did. Take a half a day or an hour each day or one lunch hour each week to spend in devotion to God, to, to read his word, to sing some hymns or pray songs and pray and seek his face. You know what, friends? We need more prayer warriors here at Cry Out. I'm going to say it again. We need more prayer warriors here at cry out. We need more people who will pray for our Sunday services. We need more people praying at home. I think about my mom, and man, my mom's such an amazing prayer warrior. She loves to pray. 
She's constantly praying. My wife Lucinda is a prayer where she loves to pray. In, in our prayer ministry, there are, there are women there in the prayer ministry team. And man, these women, I tell you, they can pray. They have a passion and a heart to pray. You see, through prayer, the Bible says we gain wisdom. James 1.5, James chapter 1, verse 5. The disciples received the Holy Spirit and power and power to witness while they were praying in the upper room, Acts chapter 2. Boldness to advance wearing spiritual armor is gained through prayer, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, Ephesians 6.19. And Anna, in our text, Anna prayed, fasted and prayed night and day. And God used her to tell others about Christ, the Messiah. Which brings us right into point number three. Are you ready? Number three is this. She proclaimed boldly. She proclaimed boldly. Write that down. Look at verse 38 with me. Verse 38. She proclaimed boldly. Verse 38. Coming up to them at that very moment. Coming up to them. I'll explain to you who them are. At that very moment. Now I want to stop there, okay? According to God's perfect timing. Got it? At that very moment, God's perfect timing, Anna happens to come up, listen now, to them. Who's them? Simeon, Joseph, Mary, and baby Jesus, just as Simeon had been giving his prophetic hymn of praise. And friends, through the Holy Spirit, Anna immediately recognized that this baby, this baby in the temple was in fact the Messiah and that the Lord was fulfilling his word in bringing this child into the world at this time. Got it? Let's read on. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna, listen, Anna at last, Anna was at last filled with praise, was at last filled with praise and, and thanksgiving for God's provision of the Savior. And she began to be, listen now, an evangelist, an evangelist there in the temple and speak of Jesus to everyone who, like her, were looking for the redemption that the Messiah would bring to Israel. Anna, I love this about her, she couldn't keep it to herself. She continued to speak of him to others. And you know what this verse reveals? This verse reveals a boldness, a boldness to initiate the conversation. And Anna recognized what an awesome privilege, privilege she had been given to testify of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, perhaps, perhaps, some people thought that she was just a crazy old lady, but she was more concerned about the Messiah than what others thought. Here's a lesson. There's a lesson. And the lesson is this. Proclaim boldly. Proclaim boldly the good news of Jesus Christ. Write that down. Proclaim boldly the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, now listen and get this, okay? Boldness doesn't mean getting in someone's face and saying, you're going to hell and you need Jesus, okay? Hey, boldness doesn't mean that. 
Boldness, this is having boldness like Anna is stepping out of our comfort zone, out of your comfort zone, our comfort zone, by faith to share the great news of eternal life with those, with those who need it and are ready to receive it. That's boldness. Listen, boldness prevents us, get this now, prevents us from becoming negative or defeated when people don't respond. Now, we know, right, as we read the Bible and know this, that most people didn't believe in Jesus even after they saw him perform all those miracles. And most won't believe you. But through boldness, say that, through boldness, we keep sharing the good news of Jesus Christ because we refuse to be intimidated by darkness or by a callous heart of a lost soul. Now, let's say... I want to kind of put this in perspective about witnessing. Now, let's say you have a cup, right? And your cup is, listen, your cup is full to the brim. I mean, it's just full to the brim. And as you're walking with that cup, okay, and you bump into someone, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is you're going to spill some on them, right? My point is this. If you are excited about and filled to the brim With and in your relationship with Jesus Christ, friends, you're going, listen, you're going to spill some on the people around you. They're going to know about it. Now, 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 sadly, some believers justify they're not witnessing by saying, I don't talk about it. I just live the message. Really? Really? Listen, part of living the Christian life is talking about it. Let me prove it to you. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Romans 10, 14. The New Living Translation says it like this. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how, get this now, and how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? We gotta say something. I mean, praise God, you know, you're you're living your lifestyle in the best way you can to show others that you belong to Christ. But we also gotta say something. We, we gotta talk about it. Because we all talk about things we love, don't we? We all talk about things we love, right? Have you ever been around a sports fanatic? Obviously, you have. We all have, right? And what does he or she talk about? Well, huh? What do they talk about? Man, did you see that game last night? It was awesome, man. I mean, we were so excited we won. And they talk about it. They talk about their, 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 their sports team and, and how great they are. Have you ever been around a young couple who has just fallen in love? What do they talk about? Talk about each other, about how much they love each other. Oh, you're so beautiful. You're so lovely. They're so in love with each other. They talk about each other all the time. My point is this. If you love Jesus, if you love Jesus and love how he has transformed your life, you're going to talk about him. And people around you are going to know about it. Got it? So you got to say something. There's got to be a boldness in you to say something. Now, I want us to notice that with Anna, she worshiped first. Listen, she worshiped first. She served first. She worshiped first. Then she witnessed. Got it? She worshiped first, then she witnessed. In verses 36 to 37, it says she worshiped, she served in the temple by fasting and praying, right? 
And then in verse 38, just the text we just focused on right now, it says, she witnessed. She witnessed. She spoke about the child to those around her. Follow me. The reason Anna was telling everybody about Jesus was that she spent much time in private worship and devotion with God. Got it? And all too often, the reason we don't bear witness is that we have not spent time in private worship and devotion with God. If you walk into our lobby, if you walk into our sanctuary, we have written on the walls, live, love, worship, witness. Live, love, worship, witness. Notice it's worship first, then witness. You cannot witness effectively, wholeheartedly, and passionately, and boldly until you have worshiped and spent time with God. Anna spent her final days on earth worshiping and witnessing, worshiping God and telling others, witnessing to others about Jesus Christ. Question, how will you spend your life? How will you spend your life? As I wrap this up, as I close now, on his deathbed, Matthew Henry, whose commentary on the whole Bible is still widely used today, said to a friend, you have been used to take notice of the sayings of dying men. This is mine. That a life spent in the service of God and communion with him is the most pleasant life that anyone can live in this world. You know what? Anna would agree. A life devoted to God is a life well spent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as, as always, Lord, I thank you for your word and also for the opportunity, Lord, to honor and, and to celebrate our mothers today. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless them in, in a special way. I also pray, Lord, for those who have lost their mothers, that, that you would extend your hand of grace and cover and comfort their hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I let you go, I want to give those of you out there an opportunity to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, into your life, to be your personal Lord and Savior, to follow him. So if that's you, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Bow your head and close your eyes and repeat this prayer after me, okay? Jesus, I invite you to come into my life to save me, to cleanse me, and to change me. I receive you this day. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord, and I believe within my heart that God raised you from the dead. I'm saved, sealed, sanctified, satisfied, justified, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am born again. And from this day forth, I will serve and love you until you call me home. 
Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, if you said that prayer, we would love to hear from you. And you can email us at contact at cryout.org. That's at contact, contact at cryout.org. So I hope you enjoyed the message. And uh, again, I want to wish all the moms a happy Mother's Day. Uh, I pray that you would enjoy your day, that you would feel extra special today. And uh, I'll see you next week as we continue in our series in 1 Corinthians. God bless you. Take care. Love you all. God bless.